Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. We're starting a new series today uh, called The Journey. It's not a long series, quite short, um, and I'm really doing the the start of it. And I thought if if we're talking about a a journey, a journey really has, um, um, you know, certain bits that make up a journey. But as I was preparing for this, I was thinking about, in a sense, my own journey. And um, yeah, it's true. It's funny, actually, I was filling in the gift aid envelope just now, and I said to Liz, what day is it? (laughs) 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 What's What's the date? I, I couldn't, I, exactly. And it reminded me of, um, it says here, when you're 50, you forget everything except how old you are. So, and you know what? Not only did I forget what day it was, I put my date of birth on it. <laughs> I put 1965 on it. <laughs> it's definitely all going downhill. But anyway, it's not. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. Amazing. This is a great church. I've been linked with BCC for 33 years, actually. Came in here as a youth, gave my life to Christ. Um, and, um, and I knew he changed me, he'd come in. God, when he comes into your life, or when you give your life to him, give it back to him, his spirit is deposited in your life. And so you, something happens on the inside, a big, big change happens. And for some, it's a slow process of realising that. For me, it was very, very fast. And uh, I was emotionally moved um, very you know, rapidly as, a, as that whole thing happened. I remember I was mission to London in 1983, and Louis Palau was preaching at Wembley, and I really didn't want to be there. I just, I, I kind of went more out of a sense of obligation, duty, kind of connected with church friends. Um, and friends basically took me along, and at the back of Wembley Arena, back in the far corner, just, it's amazing. Worship is important when we do, do, do what we do, because God speaks through worship. In fact, God, we know from Deborah's preach just recently, inhabits our worship. And uh, he loves it. He's not only in us, but he inhabits. So things happen in, in worship. And um, I just felt God speak to me in a way I didn't understand. I couldn't say it was him speaking. I just had this thought that I've got to make a decision and start a journey. And I did and, uh, in 1983. And, and I'm here today. I never expected to be a pastor. Um, I never expected to pastor this church. In fact, I didn't think I'd be in this church this long after the event. But um, I came here and, and God, you know, travelled around the world. In fact, when, when I was born, um, first six years, we went to 35 countries. And then the, the rest of my journey as a young teenager going to being a young adult, I travelled again in business for more than 35 countries. So, but by God's grace, he's kept me here for purpose. And uh, so the journey of God in our lives is huge. And so as we look at this whole thing, I just felt... Um, um, it would be good to just remind ourselves of what, what, what a journey comprises of because we're in different places. You know, I'm 50 today. I can't believe I've even said that. My daughters have been counting me down all the way up to today. Even last night they were saying three hours to go. It was, <laughs> it's like the axe is coming down. But as Jacoba said, it's like I've joined an elite club and uh, it gets better. I've had, I, I tell you, I really need these club members to get around me and encourage me because right now <laughs> there's plenty of other people not in the club who are quite taking the mickey out of me. <laughs> but um, thank you for your, your other flatteries and things. But, um, you know, the Bible does say uh, 50 is important in the Bible because um, Pentecost is, is, is 50. Pentecost means 50. So I believe at the age of 50, 
I can have a renewed experience with God and the Spirit. And I believe, you know, I, I lead this church with a team. The team makes it possible. Uh, God is building and, and uh, together we are, are stronger. It's an AOG kind of motto. But I really believe, when I, I was looking around the church this morning, two great services. Uh, you know, and I, I started to think about the people who've given their lives to Christ in the last two, two and a half years. And there's a lot of people who've come through. Some have moved into other parts of the UK. Others have gone abroad. But there, and even in the first service, someone was recommitting their life to Jesus and that, that journey, you know, each one of us can help somebody start their journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Each one of us can. We should write in our diary, sometime this year, I will make sure that I'm involved in leading someone to faith. And we can all do it. It's great. But the plan of this journey, um, you know, it, it started before creation. And uh, we're going to explore that. The Christmas story, we started the Advent Christmas season. Who's got their Christmas decorations up? Yeah. I've seen some houses already. I reckon they're draining the national grid. <laughs> it's unbelievable, some of the, the lighting and stuff on houses. Well done to the team who decorated BCC on Saturday. Good job done. We're going to have a great, um, a great This Journey series. Do invite your friends. This is the introduction to it, but the team is going to, each person in the team is going to be preaching over the Christmas period. And uh, we're going to have a great, great time with, you know, culminating in a New Year's Eve party and starting next year. So, um, and Santa will be here on Christmas Day. He's been booked. So, um, so the kids, they can bring a present and we'll celebrate that. Short service. Anyway, so, so um, this whole Christmas story, it, it started really before the creation of the world. We know that. And, and I really want to remind us of that and celebrate who Jesus is this morning, that God's plan started a long, long, long time ago. His plan was always to restore you and me. His plan was to put us into the best possible shape he could possibly put us, to, to bring us into a relationship with him, to give us understanding about what a spiritual life really is all about, to, to give us information, to reveal and to build a relationship with God. It's just extraordinary. When you've got one, um, you know what that means and our passion is to get that message to others around us in our world, the marketplace we work in, the people we mix with. It's the most precious thing. Um, we know that Jesus gave his life for that message. And, um, but the plan started a long time ago. God's plan of restoration, of recovering people. God chose him, that's Jesus, as our ransom or your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, He's been revealed for your sake. All the people will be celebrating, so many people in Bromley. You know, I saw on the news about Bethlehem. Um, you know, I think Bethlehem is actually completely, you know, fenced off. You can't get at it as a tourist. But the Christmas tree went up in Bethlehem and, you know, it's just all the novelties around that. And yet it's in one of the most hostile, dangerous, turbulent parts of the world. Right now, you know, I was thinking we want, you know, radical Christianity but the word radical has been destroyed now in, in the world. You know, radical now means you kill people. Yeah. You know, you've seen it on the news, haven't you? You've seen what's gone on in the States and obviously in France and Belgium and, and other parts of the world. To be radical now means you kill people. Well, we're, not, we're into saving people's lives. An eternity saved by Jesus Christ who planned right at the beginning of time that the sin that destroys life would be destroyed by Jesus Christ. That God will overcome the things that have destroyed 
the world really, the things that God made. And, and God had this plan right at the beginning. And he's made you and I, or given you and I, the opportunity to be the custodians of that plan, to, to work with him on that. So when you go, you know, I heard about one of the life groups this week was going onto the high streets to take invitations for journeys and take out little gospels and secretly smuggle them into people's hands <laughs> and pray with people. And, you know, in the, in the prayer meeting on Wednesday, there were loads of people down here Prayer really is where the power is. And we were all praying. And, and uh, you realise that actually when we go out and we share our faith with people, we don't have to be aggressive. We don't have to get legalistic with people. We just let people see and experience God's love through us. That alone is so powerful. It will change people's lives. You, you may not realise it. That just by you know We're going to talk about what is this journey. It has a beginning, a middle and an end. Every journey has a beginning. You could be the catalyst of the beginning of a new journey for someone this year. Imagine that. How many, perhaps during this series, we get our journals out, you know, as you, you pray at home and as you write down what you're reading in the Bible. And why don't you decide, why don't you pray about how many people God could lead you to this year? Could, could you do that? Could, could, could I reach three, four, five, ten people myself in my context? This year, could I? Imagine what would happen in this place. We'd have to completely demolish and rebuild, wouldn't we? We are speaking to architects. Watch this space. But um, it's not beyond imagination. And you don't have to be a salesman to do it. You just have to be you. That was the plan. It was you. God's always planned that it would be you that would have those conversations. That's the plan to begin someone's journey. So we know that God had this plan from the very, very beginning. Um, and it, I just thought I'd dive into the story around the time of David because the Bible talks about King David and it co- talks about Jesus being called the son of David. In Matthew, six times, six different people talk about Jesus being called the son of David. And I found that quite interesting because that comes out in the Christmas story from time to time. He was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And, uh, and in fact, there's a scripture in the Bible in Samuel that, that talks about it. So it wasn't just a notion. Jesus had many, many titles, by the way. One of them was the son of David. Why was he called the son of David? Because, because what God was doing was establishing a kingdom that would never, ever end. And that kingdom, humanly speaking, started before Jesus Christ, a thousand years before, with, with King David. Uh, God appointed, he was the first appointed by God as king. Saul, Saul was before him, but God never chose Saul. The people chose Saul. God chose David. And God started a, a dynasty of kingship, of justice and, and righteousness through that line of David. And Samuel talks about it. I'll raise up your offspring, talking to David, after you who shall come to you from your body. It goes on a bit further. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. An everlasting kingdom. This journey is an everlasting one. You are on an everlasting journey. And boy, it's going to be fun. And, uh, you know, Isaiah talked about the Messiah. And the credentials for the Messiah would be his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The Bible is a sophisticated work. It's sophisticated. It's spiritually inspired. It's living It's active. It literally can cut into situations. The Bible is incredible, the way it's structured. And if you look at Matthew 1, you read about the ancestry of Jesus Christ. and It talks about three lots of 14s, 14 generations from Abraham to David, then from David 
to the exile, the Babylonian exile, then from the exile to Jesus the Messiah. Three lots of 14. And, you know, the academics talk about that in different ways. But it's an illustration as well that God has a journey in mind for all of us. And, you know, his intention is that you will not be alone on that journey. His intention is that you'll be fully supported in that journey. And you can take risks. You can take faith-based risks. You can take risks in your life. You can take risks with your life. It's exciting. It's an exciting thing. And the Bible is full of journeys. It's journey upon journey upon journey. Genesis to Revelation, consistently journeys. Journey of Abraham and his faith. You know, everything that happens in terms of growing who we are happens in some sort of journey. It doesn't happen when we're static. If you're, all you do is sit at home all day, or you sit in one setting, or you sit in one location, or you have one friend, really you won't go on much of a journey. It's in the journey that you discover more about the relationship you've got with God and through Jesus Christ. You discover it. You discover that that Holy Spirit in you, he speaks in ways that you've got to learn. People are sometimes waiting for God to boom out of the ceiling. Go do this. I remember as a young Christian, I used to think, God, if you don't shout at me through a megahorn, I'm never going to know when you're speaking. But the actual truth is that his Spirit is in us. So how he speaks in us And how that comes out of us is really important to learn. Many people, all they ever have is information. They don't get that kind of revelation of the Holy Spirit inside them. And that's our excitement. That's part of our journey. We have to be in those difficult spots just to start to to learn to hear that God is going, navigating left and right and yes and no and step back. And, you know, what is God saying? Who's God connecting us? And this kingdom is people. It's always people to people to people. It's not about buildings. It's not even about equipment. It's actually about people. We, all this other stuff enables us to encounter people and to, to show we care about people. So Abraham's journey, Joseph you know, went through a time of slavery to become eventually the prime minister of Egypt. Um, the Israelites on their 40-year journey out of, out of the, uh, you know, Egypt itself into the promised land and making all those mistakes going around. God's trying to get them to, to realise They need to grow, they need to learn. So every journey has a beginning. Every journey has a beginning. And um, I like this expression, active anticipation. It's not about age. Now I can say that because I'm 50 and I really don't want to keep saying that because it's it's making me feel a little bit in the the elite. Um, But um, but age doesn't necessarily make you wiser. Age Age doesn't make you smarter. Age doesn't make you more godly. Actually, age is just age. It's just a number. In reality, a journey is always active anticipation. It's actually taking steps. It's actually a movement. It's a movement into relationship. It's a movement uh, between settings. It's a movement of your spiritual growth. It's a movement to the most... I used to, you know, when I used to work in the city, and the guys talked about it earlier, um, not just London, I used to work all around the world, and I used to intentionally move into the most difficult, awkward spiritual situations just to bring some light in. Because sometimes when there's a lot of darkness, a lot of light can shine. It's actually sometimes easier to speak to the most opposed type of people than the ones that seem to be most on your page. And um, it's strange because people just respond. And, and often people who are desperate to know truth, they will ask you questions. They will, they will pick your brains. I've got a guy right now that I've started a journey with himself. I've got, I go to the gym actually a lot now. <laughs> Reference to my, my somewhat tired back. I was relieved to hear that a lot of my friends who are in their early 40s have also been through this journey. But, um, but I, I've actually embarked on Pilates. Who's ever done Pilates? 
it's just unbelievable. But I recommend it. I'm learning. Um, but I was amazed. At, I've, I've been three times now, and I've got physio and a few other things. But I just, I'm. This is an interesting thing. My back is really strong in certain directions, and my shoulders are too strong. In fact, they're, they're too strong that they've been pulling my my arm over or something. But I've actually been over training certain parts of my body, not intentionally, I just thought it was exercise. So I go running regularly, last, this week I ran 8k at a good pace, and last week was 7, so I'm getting quicker and it's getting stronger. And um, you know, I go snowboarding in the spring or before the snows go. I love all that stuff, I go cycling a lot, I cycle every week. Uh, so I'd say I am pretty fit, yet you can have a weakness. And that's what's happened, this age thing has revealed a little bit of a weakness. And I've got to do other exercises to make up for that weaknesses. And maybe as Christians, you know, you might have been around church life for donkey's years and you do exactly the same things week in, week out. You do the same routines, you do the same stuff, you pray the same way, you read the same verses, you pray the same prayers. If you do that, it won't be very long before you encounter a weakness. And what God will do is he'll let you discover it. You know, it was really, the woman who called me a duck when, I, when it all went out a few weeks ago, she's seen me twice since, said, I'm really sorry I spoke to my husband, I'm really embarrassed that I called you a walking like a duck. And, uh, and I, I let her go through the grief of all that. And, uh, but she told me one time, she said, this, this mature lady, she said, my thumb's really sore, and I felt I couldn't pray for her because God hadn't healed my back, and some of you had prayed for my back. But then I thought, you know, maybe God just wants me to learn a lesson, learn some stuff. Because if all my solutions come back to God just answering in a short-term prayer, then what's going to happen in a year's time? What am I, what am I going to do if I go snowboarding and my back's not strong? I need to do some active effort into the things to strengthen what is weak. And so that's, I mean, that's a spiritual principle as well as a, a human one. So the only impossible journey is the one you never begin. The one you never begin. God is very quick to let us know where we should start our journeys. And um, let me just ask a question. How many people in this room feel that they're just beginning a journey at the moment? Some sort of journey right now. Okay, some some important things are relevant at the beginning of of a journey. Who feels in the room that they're in the middle of a journey? They can really identify with being in the middle of a journey at the moment. Okay, and who feels that they're just coming to the end of a journey? Anybody? Yeah, not so many. Because uh, so most of us are either starting one or in the middle of one. In fact, normally when you get to the end of one, you start another one, don't you? Yeah. And I spoke to Charles, who's getting married in New York on the 18th, and he said, I just, I prayed with him afterwards, and I said, he said to me, I feel like I've, I've just completed part of my journey, and I'm starting a new one. And, and we prayed together, and God spoke to him through, through that. It was tr- tremendous. So um, the only impossible journey is the one you, you never begin. Um, so I'm going to just briefly look at a couple of things. At the beginning, if you're starting, as Toby says, you have to begin with the end in mind. He's a business guy. But um, when David passed his kingdom over to his son Solomon, Solomon was an ancestor of Jesus, just like David was, and he gave him some strict instructions. He said to him, learn to know the, the, the God of your ancestors intimately. Learn to know him intimately. Well, hang on a second. This is the guy who's about to build the temple for God. And David said, learn to know him intimately. You can build all you like in your life, but you need to know him intimately. Intimacy with God is available to us. And the way you do it is you spend time with him. The way we do it is we get alone with him. The way we do it is we worship him privately. It's what we do privately that starts to reveal 
our relationship with him. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and willing mind. Don't allow your hearts, if you're starting a journey, don't allow your hearts to be drawn in different directions. Otherwise you'll, you'll feel unable to kind of keep focus and move forward. And, and the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you'll find him. So take him seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. These sound like verses from the New Testament, don't they? These sound like verses we've used before elsewhere. You know, he knows us. He sees us. He knows every plan. But as they say, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. With great power comes great responsibility. Actually, that comes from an unknown source. It was used in Spider-Man, if you like those kind of things. It doesn't come from the Bible, but it, it could quite easily parallel a biblical idea. Um, it's good though, isn't it? I love it. With great power comes great responsibility. That's what Vicky said as she sat on the red chair. If any, I don't know if anyone watches that. I, I didn't watch any of these series over the years. Right, honest. But Olivia, bless her, has got me hooked on this one. Um, a little bit, actually. I can't say I'm hooked. I, I don't need much excuse. Anyway, so with great power comes great responsibility. But there's a plan involved. When we start a journey, there's a plan. And God gave a plan to David. In fact, he wrote it down. You read it in the verse there. Every part of this plan, David told Solomon, was given to me in writing from the hand of the Lord. Why don't we sit down privately and think, God, what is the plan you are giving to me? What is it that I need to work on on myself? What is it that I need to be aware of? What is it that I need to, who do I need to connect with? So there's a preparation when we're starting a journey, there's preparation, there's, there's packing what you need, unpacking what you don't need. Every time I travel, I keep a complete kit list now and I just amend a few things. You know, make sure I've got my passport, make sure I've got you know, my keys and my identity, make sure I've got some local currency, but make sure I've got something that is relevant to the journey. And what isn't relevant, you can't take, because some journeys you just can't move. With. So in our journey going forward, your journey, if you're beginning... Preparation is important. What's the purpose behind it? What are you aiming at? Who will you connect? Who will you rely upon? Almost every journey involves somebody else at some point. So who is God going to bring you on your journey? Maybe you're feeling like a new journey should start. God, who is it? Be praying into, who am I going to meet? He'll tell you in advance who you'll meet. That's an amazing one. That's a great adventure, learning that journey. But God can tell you what's going to happen. And uh, my journey began in India in '65. And I shared with the first service, some, some other people were born in 1965. Robert Downey Jr., Sarah Jessica Parker, Shania T- I feel like I'm in good company. Uh, until I got to Jeremy Kyle, Piers Morgan. But then it all came good with J.K. Rowling and Ben Stiller, so I feel I'm okay. And Liz is just a little bit older than me. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm going to skip through some of this. But, um, you know, I, 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 I looked to see what significance happened on my date of birth in on December the 6th, this day in 65, I couldn't find anything significant apart from my own birth. <laughs> couldn't find anything, actually, apart from what was in the charts. I found out the Seekers were top of the British charts. Who's heard of the Seekers? The Carnival is over, start a new journey, the Australian band. Number two were the Beatles, day tripper, journey starting. Top of the US charts was the Birds with turn, turn, turn to everything there is a season. I don't know if you know this, but that was the, the, the number one record. It holds the record as the number one record with the oldest lyrics from Ecclesiastes 3. So it um, comes straight out of the Bible. But interesting, isn't it? Things mark our, our births. Things mark our journeys. There are landmark points in your journey. There are some things you just don't want to experience. There are some things you don't want. There have been things as a pastor I never, ever wanted to experience. 
And in fact, I didn't think I'd ever have to experience. But God allows that journey to unfold. It's about that journey, which takes us on to the second key thing, which is the middle. The beginning then goes into the middle. And maybe you're like me in a middle time of life, but age is not, doesn't define your journeys. Other things do. It's about the journey as much as the destination. And um, we will be richer for our Christian walk if we learn quickly that it's, it's how and why we do what we do that's important. It's how we do it. You may feel like you lack things in your life. In fact, everybody feels that. You know, I, I could do with some more brains. I could do with some more qualifications. I could do with some more experience. I could do with, I could do with a, a wife. I could do with a husband. I could do with, I, I could do with a house. Actually, everyone always wants something else. But actually, that journey of learning to hear God, my sheep know my voice. They hear me and they follow me, is at the heart of this journey. So if you're in the middle of a journey, Peter said, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement, in other words, add to your faith a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. In other words, faith is a start of a spiritual journey, but there's a whole lot of character developments. You know, we turn away from sin and we turn towards God. That's the most incredible story of redemption in the Bible. Jesus gave his life to pay the price for those things we've done wrong, past, present and future. But when we come to faith, it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. That maturing, that, that middle of the journey is all about that development of who we are. It's the change that's ongoing in us. How have we changed? What's developing? In fact, without it, it causes a problem. And Peter says in verses 8 and 9, the more you grow like this, in other words, the more you look at your developing your character... The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can have knowledge without any use at all. You can have a load of knowledge and the knowledge is useless. But you need to grow in your productivity of your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Do you get the difference? Knowing information about theology, knowing the Bible, the devil knows the Bible inside out. You'll never be the greatest theologian on this planet. But knowledge is not enough. Productivity is important. God's given us the ability to be productive, which means that we work on ourselves. And the middle of our journeys, it's about working on ourselves. It's about reflecting on who we are. It's, it's about having fellowship. It's about linking ourselves to the people God wants us to link with. You know, Jesus has committed to us. He's committed to walk with us on this journey. In John 14, 16 and 18, it says, And I will ask the Father, Jesus said this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. In all of our journeys of faith, or our journey of faith, it's always Jesus who comes to us. Jesus comes to us. So often, you know, preachers put you under pressure and say, no, no, more commitment, more commitment. I'm telling you, Jesus is committed to you. You need to know that. If nothing else from this message today, Jesus personally is committed to you. He's committed to you. He wouldn't have given his life if he wasn't going to commit to you for the rest of the journey. He's committed to you. He's committed to your success. He's committed to your effectiveness. He's committed. He's committed. He's committed to you. You can't believe how much he's committed to you. Why? Because you, you let things get in the way and you, you drift away from your focus. on. He's committed. All you've got to do is get back close to him. He's committed to you. He wants you to finish strong. He's committed to you. And what does it say in Galatians 2.20? Christ lives in me. He's that committed to you. He puts himself inside you. 
Now that is weird. <laughs> but that's what he does. That's a spiritual rebirth. That's how we know we're born again. Because God himself puts himself in us. And then there's this ongoing internal battle of whether I'll do good or not good. And I'll get over this issue and get over that issue. Because God's putting that conviction in us. He's working in us. And you right now might know some things that look impossible to you at the moment. There'll be things, you could probably give me a list of three things right now that seem impossible, but you know God's aiming your direction at those things. And you're thinking, I'll never get there, I'll never get there, that's not me. You know, maybe you're thinking of taking on responsibility in the church or, or turning away from a behaviour that's not doing you any good or a relationship that's damaged. And you're thinking, I can't do it. I, yes, you can. Because Christ in us, the hope of glory. Everything can change in your life on this journey because Jesus Christ himself is committed to you personally. He's not committed to me as the pastor of a church and you sit inside that. He's committed to you personally. His commitment is to you. He wants you to explore that. He wants you to develop that character. He wants you to navigate knowing that he's committed to you. When you get to the crossroads, make the right decision. Don't put your business ahead of Jesus Christ. Don't make that your your purpose. Don't make your career your purpose. Make Jesus your purpose. Make him your alignment and watch whatever he's going to do to to move things around. You know, geese fly further because they fly in formation. You ever seen that? They always fly in that kind of V-shaped formation. And then they take it in turns. One goes to the front, they go further. They get the benefit of the slipstream. And that's what it's like in church life. We go further, we're stronger, we collaborate, we work out our differences, we make it happen, we get there. And then it's the end, the end of our journeys. Well, God's already sorted out the end, <laughs> for you've been born again, but not a life that is, will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living Word of God. And of course, the Word of God is the name, another name for Jesus Christ. He's called the Word of God, living and active Word of God in us. He's got lots of names. And... Um, Your new life will last forever. It's a new life. Don't be living like our old life. Don't be patching up your old life with a bit of Christianity. Bring that new life through. Work on it. And what will be the outcome? You will see results. This church, I mean, I'm just marvelled. What gives me some of the most excitement in my ministry responsibility is just what God's given me as responsibility. When I see what's going on around the world, I hear some of those tributes. I know the lives of these people that you may not know. And I know what they've been through. I know Mark Ritchie and those guys. And, and I'm in conversations with other leaders and, and people in different settings right now. And I'm thinking, it's incredible how people, people's lives are changing. What they will produce in their life because God is in them and he's doing stuff. And you're the same. You're the same. Just like me. We will do amazing. You watch what happens in 2016. You know, we added an extra service. We doubled our services. I don't want to go to three if we can help. (laughs) We'd rather knock down and rebuild or find somewhere else. But it's possible. You know, we can touch people. Your faith is infectious. You know that. God's made it infectious. He wants it to breathe through you. He wants to breathe through you, not under stress, but he wants you to get people to an end place. He wants you to be, you know, what will be the results? You know, our God of justice and peace, peace and truth He's already, he already told us what the end is. It's where we're going to be for, the, for eternity. We might as well live as though we we're in eternity now. We might as well be getting our relationships with people sorted out now. Life is very, very short. And someone was telling me in, in the interval in the last, between the two services how short it really is. And, and it, it's, you know, and they give me all sorts of analogies. But life accelerates. That's what I've noticed. It accelerates. And um, 
But God will use you wonderfully because it's not him using you, it's him in partnership with you. And he wants your experience of him in your, in your trials and in your tough, your tough places. What could be developed? It's incredible. You've got to expect achievement, expect God to touch people's lives. I loved it. Was it the first service at oh, Vlad? One of you said, you know, let's expect God to do something. And that's it. If you come to a meeting without expectation, if you go to work without an expectation, if you're in the marketplace without an expectation that God is going to radically shake up your marketplace because you're there, think again, because he will. All you've got to do is ignite the light. Turn it on. Get that salt out. You, you won't have to work hard at it. You will stand out like a sore thumb for all the right reasons, but people will come to you. It's been my experience. People will come to you. They'll ask you to pray for them. They'll ask you for advice. You know why? They trust you. They trust you because they know that you're serving one who is greater than anybody else. They know it and they're instinctively drawn to it. But you know, you can finish strong. You can finish strong. And I've been really inspired. I said, I certainly said in the last service, I'm hoping to live to 100. (laughs) And uh, I was really inspired. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to look like at 100, by the way. But anyway, I've had this kind of, call it delusion, or let's call it vision, <laughs> to live to 100. But I was so inspired this year by this man. Uh, Hidekechi uh, Miyazaki, Japanese gentleman, um, he was so disappointed. He was running 100 metres, and he was disappointed that he didn't beat his previous record. He only came in at 42.22 seconds. I'm not happy with, this, with the time, he said. I started shedding tears during the race because I was going so slow. Perhaps I'm getting old. <laughs> Perhaps you are at 105. <laughs> Imagine that. I don't know many people who can walk at 105. But I don't know many people alive at 105. <laughs> but um, that's an inspiration. See, God's ma- if God's made us to do that kind of thing, it's possible. All things are possible. Anyway, so what a result. There's a strong finish ahead. I love the fact that he's got focus. I don't know his spiritual state. But God has made us with an amazing ability to influence and change people. God has done it. Oops. Your destination is never a place. Just think about it. I know we go to places, but your destination is never a place, but a new way of seeing things. And maybe today, during this, this and through this Christmas period, we'll begin to start to think differently. We'll see things differently. See that you have got a lot invested in you by God himself. God has invested so much in you. He's put so much of himself in you. Everything we need, it's in you. And he wants you to come through strong. So worship team, why don't you join me? And we're going to, um, you know, let's just think about this as we stand and sing in just a moment, that God has invested in us. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you're, you're feeling like, well, my relationship with God, I haven't got one. I don't really know. But you can have one. You can start that journey today. You could easily start it. And maybe you're in the middle of your journey and, and you're hitting some sticky patches and it's got difficult and you're, you're, you need help navigating. God will do that. That's his promise. He will navigate and you will end strong. So I'm going to hand to the team as we sing a song. Why don't we stand?